On this episode of Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered, we sit down with Art Carter, president and CEO of CRMLS, one of the largest MLSs in the United States, 110,000 members. We cover artificial intelligence and the future of MLS, separation of buy and sell side commission with the class action suits, because why wouldn't we talk about that? Uh, we also talk about transparency in the business, how he focuses on the realtor and the consumer and balances that. It's going to be an incredible show. Tune in. You talk about it privately. We talk about it publicly. This is the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. Welcome again to Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered. I'm your host, James Wiggins, along with my co-host, Keith Robinson, aka Crazy Uncle Keith. Hi, everybody. Keith, yes, sir. Tell us about Art Carter and CRMLS. Yeah, what a great guest. Uh, I believe he's the, he, I know he's the CEO of one of the largest MLSs in the country. Correct, James? That's correct. Yeah, yes, 110,000 members. Yep. And what I loved about the conversation is he really dug into transparency about the importance of just letting the data be free and be out there. He, he was very honest with us about consolidation of MLSs. Uh, we talked about the lawsuits because you can't do a podcast today and not talk about lawsuits. The and then my favorite part yeah. of the conversation was when we nerded out on generative AI. So robust conversation that uh, traveled a lot of different corners of residential real estate. I think it's great. It was very focused on the realtor, how MLSs are going to be in the future. It's it's awesome. It's going to be an incredible yeah. show. Yeah, you're going to enjoy it. Art, right, welcome to the show. Uh, we are super excited to have you here. Uh, I've known Art for many years now, uh, and is he is one of the smartest people in residential real estate, and we're excited to have him here to give a lot of perspective on a side of the industry that I think people don't quite understand and to, to 100%, like, you know, what is the MLS sort of, where is it, where is it going? We're going to get deep into some of those conversations. I think that's a great way to start it, though, Art, is tell just everybody the short version about who is Art Carter. <laughs> and then a little bit about CRMLS. Uh, keep it short and sweet because we'd like to dive into the questions, but give a little background. So, Yeah, I'm CEO of the California Regional Multiple Listing Service. Uh, we are an organization that serves 110,000 real estate professionals up and down the state of California and in the state of Louisiana. So we uh, basically are an organization that uh, fosters cooperation and compensation amongst the brokerage community in the areas that we cover. Uh, we're all the way from Red Bluff down to the San Diego border and, and filling in various places in between in California. Interesting. So for perspective, Red Bluff, by the way, is the top of the state of California yeah. for those southern Oregon. the U.S. It's basically Southern, southern Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. yeah. Well, believe it or not, it's not. Uh, you yeah. still have to drive for another four hours from Red Bluff to get the Fair. Yeah. But there's yeah, really but you, not a lot up there. You better, have a full, you better fill up in Red Bluff on yeah. your way wherever you're headed. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, and, California and, and Louisiana, they're next to each other. So that makes sense. Uh, yeah, and there's there's definite reasons for why we've uh, why we've gone into that direction as well. So nice. So in your background, just real quick, you've been in residential real estate how long? Where did you start, and how did you get into this position? Yeah, you know, 25 years ago, uh, I answered uh, a recruiter's call for a CFO position for a local. Uh, AOR had no idea organized real estate existed. Uh, walked into uh, <laughs> I walked into a weird world. I I had been running a, you know, my own consulting company, doing a variety of you know programming and and 
computer-based uh, uh, work for small companies and uh, walked into the situation and it was, it literally is uh, walking on the face of the moon uh, if you don't know what's going on. I bought and sold houses at that point, but not really understanding, you know, what props up, you know, the information behind a real estate agent. It was uh, definitely a learning experience for me. It's one of yeah. my favorite questions to ask people. Uh, all of our guests i don't think any of us woke up and were like hmm real estate or went and got a master's in real estate from some prestigious university we sort of ended up here and fell in love with the business but as you entered the the industry 25 years ago what were you most surprised by or what were you most like huh i, I didn't expect it to be like this and can you use the word organized in that sentence <laughs> well I mean, you can use it <laughs> You know, you can use it just as much as our government is organized. Um, fair, 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 fair. There's a lot of politics in it. Um, mm. You know, the thing that continues to surprise me as I move along is I, I do refer to organized real estate as Hotel California. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. <laughs> that's a great that's, quote. There's it our is. teaser. There's, there's our teaser teasers. promo right there. <laughs> it is It is a different world. Um, and it, in, in all honesty, I'm a very challenge-driven person. Mm. Um, and there, there still remains to be enough challenges in this industry uh, to keep me going. Um, the politics, I think, were prim primarily some of the stuff that it really surprised me of um, how something could be so political at the same time have very business-minded, you know, concepts that they were trying to push forward. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I think it's fun. I, it's I I tell Keith he's people ask me like how long were you involved in like you know the organized portion of it? I said twelve months because I couldn't do the politics. I just don't do politics. I can't fit it. It takes a very it takes a very intelligent person. I'm not one of them to play that game. And I was like, I did twelve months and I was out. So I by the way, more power to you. We need people like you to be able to sort through that. I think that's a great segue. How many MLSs are now in the United States? Because I know it used to be more, but there's still a lot. <laughs> Yeah, so. you know, I, I we did our strat planning session earlier this week and I had a speaker come in and uh, she had mentioned that she thought we were in the 470 MLS range across the country, uh, which is great improvement. You know, five, six years ago, that number was in the, the maybe a little bit longer than that, but we're in the 900 range. So there's been a lot of consolidation. Mm -hmm. There just there needs to be a lot more. And and is that is that sort of how your organization got as big as it has is through consolidation? Is that the route that you guys have taken as far as like I mean, how did you get to be basically one of the largest MLS or the largest in the United States? Yeah, you know, I, I coined a term early on called charismatic aggression. And you know, that's <laughs> that's really what it's really what you've gotta you've gotta do is that you know, I'm you'd said that it takes a lot of intelligence. I, I think it takes a lot of uh, it takes a lot of a thick skin maybe some areas of a lack of intelligence um but you know it it takes uh, just the ability to put your head down and keep moving forward um i mean if if you can if you can set a story and 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 put together the pieces to give people an understanding of what it is that you're trying to do uh, believe it or not i never intended to build an empire i never intended to build you know some monolithic thing uh, it just always has you know confused me in organized real estate you know, why we give consumers access to more information than we give ourselves when we're the ones that are creating that information. Um, That's interesting. Charismatic aggression. I wrote mm -hmm. that one down too. That's a good one. Yeah. 
So you guys are how many how many MLSs consolidated into you? Just curious. No. Well, we have 42 local associations that are yeah. part of CMLS. We have about 110,000 subscribers. So um, it when I first started in 2005 uh, with the company, uh, we had, uh, I think, 14 local associations and 23,000 subscribers. So, and, and what's the benefit to this? Like, I think that's a question I know where Keith was going to go with this. Like, mm-hmm. people talk about this all the time. And why is it that associations hold out when there's this, no offense for those that are listening, these small little podunk associations that are like 200 people versus being part of something bigger? Like, what what's stopping it? Is it politics? I mean, where, where what's the reason why somebody would need to have the local small association or, I'm sorry, local small MLS and not be part of something larger? I think at the, the core of it is, is a little bit of fear. Uh, mm. I think that, you know, when you try to put your arms around this, you know, entity that potentially, and, and CAR tried to do this, California Association of Realtors tried to do this in, in 2008, 2009, which was put together a statewide MLS. And... Uh, I think, you know, the, the biggest concern that we get out of people is that they're going to lose their local identity. They're going to lose their their ability to, you know, have a say in how the multiple listing service runs and how, you know, fields are, you know, implemented and what the rules look like and all of those different things. And so I think that at the core base of it, that fear that they're going to lose some level of control and be swept into something that you know, doesn't meet their needs and not have the ability to, to back away from it is, is probably the biggest thing. And I'll tell you that the, the the biggest amount of work that we've tried to do within the CRMLS system is to provide an environment that's inclusive and gives voice to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. It's very hard to do. Um, there's you know, also a there's sort of a mindset, and my guess is this is something that ends up filtering up, not filtering down. But there's this real like fundamental belief of selling a home in Berkeley, California will be very different than selling a home in Danville, California, which will also be different than selling a home in Santa Clarita, California, right? And so while that is true, there will be one might have a sewer lateral ordinance and another one might have something else. So there are nuances at the local level. And so sometimes there's this falsehood, this false feeling of, well, my, what it takes here is different, right? And there are nuance to it, but I have felt this way for a long time that what it takes to be successful works in any market, right? And there's probably, I think, a a little bit of a truism to that for an MLS, right? Like what you need, there's certain truisms that you need from a multiple listing service and you can get more of those things at scale and it sounds like you've tried to and successfully threaded that needle of being aware of the local needs and still the the macro value that you can provide as an MLS. Is that sort of how you're trying to parse it? Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, a broker's job is to put buyers and sellers together. Yeah. And, you know, there may be local, you know, variances, but that's not a technological problem. That, right. You right. Know, we we absolutely can and easily can overcome those things. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's just a matter of trying to figure out, you know, how to overcome some of those objections and make sure that that people feel like they don't, you know, lose that voice. Um, you know, we have we have multiple different front end platforms to have, you know, local choice. Um, they might not, 
you know, all want to see things the same way. So, you know, we try to do as much as we can on that side. So that's interesting. So the interface is different depending upon the local area. They see, obviously they see different fields and different things, yet you're still working off a common database behind the scenes, like one big Correct. master database. Yeah. Correct. Would you say that, so what I heard you say before is roughly, and uh, we'll just speak in sort of big roundish numbers, but sounds like in the last, call it 10 years, uh, about half of the MLSs have consolidated. Is that a fair statement? We have about half of half of the membership within uh, the CAR system belong to a CRMLS local association now, yes. And would you say that that's fast consolidation, should be faster, just right? What are your, maybe faster, you want faster, but um, how does that feel? Does that feel like the right pace to you or where do you see it? No, no in, in all honesty, when my board went down this road, started going down this road in 2010, if I would have told them 13 years from now, we'd only hit the 50% mark of membership, mm -hmm. um, they would have viewed that as an absolute failure. Right. Uh, that being said, um, it is it is a consolidation is a, is a very slow road. Um, mm -hmm. There's some that have you know you know gotten bigger quicker, but you know what you see in in Florida, what you see in the Mid Atlantic region with Bright, um, those things they take two to three years to get some of those bigger deals together. Um, I've I've had some I've had some organizations that I worked on for ten years before before they came in. And a lot of it is has, has to do with the leadership. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of it has to do with the marketplace. Sure. Um, so, you know, it just, you know, we're entering into a, a different marketplace again. And, you know, I imagine there's going to be more consolidation at that point. Yeah, I was going to say, where do you think it ends up? Let's I'll move this forward just because I want to I want to get a lot of questions in. Mm -hmm. we've got some really deep ones to get into. But do you think it's. Do you think it's statewide? Do you, I mean, is there is there like an ideal number? You obviously know all the executives, so is there like a is there like we really need it to be fifty statewide, one national? I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I'm curious what your take is on where you think it ends up. You know, five to ten years, I think we'll be in the hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty range. Okay. That being said, there will and there needs to be a, a nationwide aggregate, uh, a database that everybody pulls from. Um, everybody is is. One of the things that you know we're seeing in the marketplace right now is is you know during this this downturn and this drop off, you know twenty two percent off year over year within the CRMLS platform, um, we're seeing more and more you know talks of consolidation with amongst the brokerage community, yeah. and as that consolidation continues, brokerages they're the boundaries that we've artificially put up in in organized real estate don't mm -hmm. meet the business needs of the brokerages anymore. And we've got to be sensitive to that. And if we can't figure out the political piece of it, let's at least figure out the database piece of it to give brokerages the ability to do business across their entire footprint with with one set of data. And so I think that probably will occur before we get, you know, meaningful consolidation down to statewide. Do you think it ends up with a, a lack of a better word, call it a national MLS search that essentially competes with Zillow and Realtor and all the rest of them, CoStar, Homes.com, whatever they're going to go out in public with. <laughs> potentially, yeah, yeah, potentially, you know, because I, I think there are, you know, obviously there's some big differences in between those platforms and, and the MLS. Um, those platforms don't exist 
without the multiple listing service. Uh, right. They would be going broker to broker. Yeah. Um, they tried uh, that, didn't work very well. So, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a Southeast Asia ground war. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't want to do that again. And the MLS is being in that position to curate and collect the data. You know, I think that's that's the main thing that we've got to focus on and and maintaining those cooperative relationships between brokerages. So let's get to the big one. You and I have had these discussions, but you're the first person we've talked to or we'll have had on the show regarding the MLS's take on this. And so these class action suits, which is certainly I have noticed in the past six months, more and more people are finally waking up to the severity of these things. <laughs> Still not um, enough. <laughs> Not enough, but like people are starting to go, oh, maybe this isn't going to go as well as we had hoped. So, um, and I want to be full disclosure, like we are rooting for NER and defendants to win these cases, but also what is the plans if we do not? So where does the MLS fit in a, and I'll ask this because I I believe this is where it's going to go. You can tell me if I'm off, but in a world where essentially you know cooperation is separated where the buyer agent is paid by the buyer or directly by the seller and the seller's agent is not you know essentially passing that compensation over how does the mls fit into that what does it look like your take you know i think there's still very much a world in which the mls is needed and necessary um i've I've been a consumer on the residential side. I've been a consumer on the commercial side. Uh, the commercial side and its fragmented nature um, is an absolute mess. Yeah. And I think the brokerage community needs to understand that they're better together. Mm-hmm. Um, better together from a, a database standpoint and better together cooperating with each other. Uh, especially in most of the marketplaces across the country, uh, you don't really see brokerages you know, having 40, 50% market share to where they don't need that cooperation with other brokerages um, you know, in their, their local area. And even at those numbers, the, the cooperative nature of what brokerages have always done, uh, it needs to, needs to continue because it's not just in the best benefit of those brokerages, it's in the best benefit of the consumer. Right. Sure. Most importantly, right? The human beings yeah. who buy and sell houses don't really care about how we want to fight with each other around data and you know, where lines stop and start. and like, They don't care. They just want help and access and and someone to shepherd them through a stressful transaction, right? Yeah, and you know, I think if you go to the core of what all of these lawsuits are about, what all of the Department of Justice and NAR, um, you know, legal wranglings are about, it's about transparency. Mm-hmm. And the the biggest thing that we can provide to the consumer is is the transparency of every listing that's available in the marketplace. You know, as long as the seller wants those listings to be out there for, you know, there's various reasons why they might not. But as long as as long as there's that that desire, every single one of those listings needs to be accessible to the consumer. And in the mechanism and in, in the place that they want to go to search it. Um, you know, I think the the days of of partitioning off data are gone. I, I you know, go back to the commercial experience and the fact that yeah. more, even five years ago, having a broker tell me to drive around the areas that I wanted to place my company in and call, <laughs> you know, give him numbers off of signs to, you yeah. know. Yeah, that's, our, that's the system. Yeah. yeah. Five I, years ago, right? I, yeah. I think if we, if we did that to the consumer, um, it would be, it would be yeah, a they, very bad situation very quickly. They so, throw rocks at us, for sure. So I have to ask then, because this is obviously, you know, on the debate and conversation. So obviously Howard Hanna is pulled from IDX. 
um, you know, in the Mid-Atlantic area. And so that obviously has caused a Twitter stir, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> what, I mean, I, I'm assuming your opinion is mistake, that it's the best interest of the consumer. And by the way, the comments are saying that. Like, we're actually, no, I'm reading a lot of comments from consumers going, why would I not want my, my listing, you everywhere. know, everywhere like right. yeah like they're they're literally questioning it so what's your what's your opinion on that did they make a tactical mistake is it greed what's the you know pushing you here but yeah i can't really speak to to what their reasoning was but i am gonna fall back on you know brokerages are better together no matter mm. what your your market share is um it is in the best interest of the consumer um for all of the data to be in one place and and searchable uh, by them and the mechanism that they choose. And that could be the portals, that could be a local IDX site, it could be, you know, it could be any wide variety of things. Um, technology is moving so quickly. I, I think I, I think a lot of it is is putting the genie back in the bottle and you're just never gonna be able to do that. Right. Sure, right. I got a, uh, I got a question and um, are you into thinking about generative AI at all? Because uh, yeah. we keep talking about data sets and from the limited research that I've been doing is basically generative AI is interesting, uh, but the the real power of it is the data set that it is using for its predictive analytic, right? So as, as you were mentioning sort of a national data set and some of the stuff, how do you think about generative AI and the data that we have inside the real estate industry and, and what could that look like? That's I'm very curious. You know, in all honesty, that's the thing that excites me most about this industry. Um, everybody's so focused on the listing data, uh, but there's so much more that's going mm. on. Um, MLSs are so focused on, on, on tracking, you know, the existence of a listing contract, the exact, you know, ex existence of a, of a sales contract and, you know, that, that March to, actually the the transaction closing but there's so much more mm. that is untracked there's so much more that i think if the brokerage communities would you know cooperate with each other that could be shared across the board uh, a lot of what i call velocity information i'm so curious about what happens in between the point that a, a listing contract goes into the mls and it goes pending um, lockbox openings and offers that are going through the system and how many showings you know, just that, that intelligence that you can get. And really, in all honesty, the, the consumer benefits of being able to communicate to a seller and a buyer what marketplace they're facing and what the competition is out there, you know, to tell a seller that, you know, interest rate increases, we got a, we got a quarter, we got a quarter point hike that's driving, you know, in your local marketplace, 20 buyers out of out of uh, out of the market price out of the market. Yeah, those are those are things that are just hugely beneficial to to the brokers and to the consumers as a whole. Like uh, when I super nerd out about it, I think about just even just going off what you were saying, right? You, you could build a, a generative AI machine that would uh, over time get better and better, but it would it could tell a seller, for example, uh, your moving, you know, your 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 probability of your home going into contract is up by eighteen percent this week because you had five more lockbox opens 200 more saves on zillow uh a hundred more saves on your agent's website right like we could take all this data and do some really really interesting things and put out some really good information uh, to help the agent and the human beings who buy and sell houses yeah and it gets it gets edgy I and mean, especially yeah, yeah. 
I did have a broker yell at me a couple of weeks ago because you good. Know, uh, you know, I, I, uh, Welcome to I'm, our I'm, world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm pushing for some things along the lines of more transparency. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's and you know, James, you know this. I mean, in in talking with my my largest brokerages, you know, litigation is exploding right now, mm-hmm. and the more transparency we can have about the state of a property. Uh, especially to to the brokerage level, why shouldn't a disclosure? Why shouldn't an appraisal? Why shouldn't a home inspection be attached in the MLS to every property? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of edgy, but in yeah. honesty, you know, a lot of the lawsuits that I'm hearing isn't because of what happened in their current transaction. It was what was not disclosed about the seller sure. about the, the the long-term history of the, the property. I mean, there aren't too many lawsuits about over disclosure. I haven't seen too many of those. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a bunch the other way, but you, I haven't seen too many of that you, one. You told too much about my house. You know? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. those are the types of things that I'm excited about, and I'm, I'm trying to, to get people's minds wrapped around. We're, we're in the process of moving to a property-centric model, which, you know, we're not – listings are just a – listings are just a state of a, of a property record. And, you know, agents really need to get their minds around searching – you know, property records instead of instead of searching the multiple listing service for for listings and history on those listings. So, and do you um, think that's? I'm going to ask because my brain went. Are you thinking this is around blockchain potentially as well? Like the idea yeah, of the tracking. There's some elements long term that have to be there, um, but you know, I, I think you know, and there's a lot of stuff going on with blockchain. Blockchain, especially with you know, God. There's just <laughs> there's yeah. too much to unpack in, in such yeah. a short right. period of time. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, and going back to the generative AI piece of it, imagine packing all that information into a, an AI environment and AI is only as good as the data that is, right. is, it's built on. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be, resp- uh, you know, it's going to be very important for the real estate industry to understand that. They are the curators of all that data, and we have a massive proprietary data set. We have yep. a massive data set. Well, it's a, and, and Art and I have had this conversation. Some of the data that we're going to eventually aggregate on, you know, as Art talked about around the property and things to do with that. But if you think about the entire transaction and transparency around that, it gets really interesting. Some of the data that you can aggregate that. I have a question, and it's a little off topic, I think, but Northwest MLS is not NER governed, correct? And they right. have made changes to their MLS structure so that there is not required uh, cooperation. You're not required to provide, you know, cooperation to the buy side agent. And my my brief questions and knowledge is that it really didn't shift a whole lot. Like it it didn't change much of anything, which I don't think is good for NER's case. But in general, like it didn't actually shift consumer behavior very much. What have you heard? Seen? What's your take on that? transparency about compensation, opening things up, having more choice. Do you think that's the future? Is that how we're going to end up? I, I, in all honesty, I, I would bet on it that, mm-hmm. you know, if, if these lawsuits don't, you know, have an adverse effect um, on compensation in the MLS, I think the departments of justice and the FTC have, you know, shown a, a, a pretty strong opinion on, yeah. on, on that, on that uh, that element, so I think you know whether or not there's something that comes out of the the Sitzer Burnett case, something that comes out of the Morell case, 
um, something that comes out a leader, there there will be change over the next yeah. uh, year to two <laughs> years um, for the multiple listing services. And you know, I, I I would hope that that they don't have their heads in the the sand about this and have been proactively kind of. Are you preparing? To, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And all MLSs should be preparing at this point. Yes. If they haven't already, then they're kind of yeah. have every, their heads in the sand. Every mm-hmm. agent, every broker, every <clears throat> franchise, or every ML, everyone who's in the industry should be thinking about this yeah. and preparing, right? Because yeah. change is coming. And they're scary <laughs> numbers. You know, the Morel case is thirteen point seven billion dollars before, uh, before you know, trebling it for antitrust. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. a big number. That's, that's with a B, kids. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a, a B. That, that's a yeah. that's also a B for bankruptcy yeah. for a lot of people. To be <laughs> yeah. clear, um, yeah, yeah. Sure. I, I don't think it will go there. As Art and I have chatted about this, some. I mean, I I believe this will get settled at some point because I don't too. know any lawyer that wants to get in the business of winning cases and getting no money. Um, yeah, that's a bad model. That's a bad. Model. Yeah, it's a bad model. Um, so uh, one last question. Well, I only want to get to the one final one to get the show wrapped up, but is. Well, let's just jump into that. So I think it kind of fits. So it's it's the future of the MLS. You have a very unique company that you started a venture fund as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I don't know many that have that. Maybe two or three across the U.S. additionals that I'm aware of. So talk to me about, you know, how did you set that up? Why? What's the goal? What's some interesting stuff you guys are, you know, looking at, et cetera? Like what's, t- talk to us about how you put that whole thing together. Yeah, I think you know the primary reason was we were increasingly being faced in 2018, 19, and 20 with all of the companies that we were going to for site licenses for software for our membership uh, were being bought up, and you know, in all honesty, some of those purchases did not sit well with our membership, and it caused. It caused Does a, that start with a showing in one of them? Just curious. Um, could yeah. <laughs> does, does it rhyme? Does it rhyme with Willow? Sorry, keep going. Keep going. But you know, we really at the MLS level don't have a whole lot of say in any of that. Right. And not that, you know, starting a, a venture fund and, and funding companies is going to give you a, um, you know, complete, you know, control over what all of these companies do for monetization. But it does put you in a position to where, you know, you can pick some winners and losers and you can pick some some winners that hopefully, you know, have a, a more positive you know, thought process it when it comes to brokerage and, and real estate professionals. So when there's some, probably some core fundamental tools where it's more important that you have a stake in it, whether it's venture or other. Uh, and then there's others where maybe there are t- more tertiary tools that are nice to have, but not must haves. And then you can let those sort of go the way they go. Yeah, and strategically, CRMLS has gone down that road. I mean, Venture MLS is there to to support those you know forward looking uh, elements. You know, we've invested in companies that are producing AI um, and relying on those pieces of it. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, we've invested in front end companies. You know, it gives us. I'll tell you, it gives us more say in how mm. product is being built than we ever have had before. Right. So, right. You know, I I think that's you know primarily uh, one of the the driving factors, and then just re- really being able to support 
some insanely cool technology out there. Um, you know, I think that's kind of the place that the MLS needs to be in. You know, CMLS has strategically gone down a road where we're either going to support outside companies through Venture MLS, we're going to build some of the primary features that MLSs need to control uh, by ourselves, um, or you know, we're going to partner with other you know MLSs across the country to to build some of those things. Just it's really about having a little bit more control. I mean, that's the main thing that has come out of my brokerage community is they want us to be a little bit more, you know, pro realtor um, mm. as, as we move forward. Yeah. With the venture fund to quote, uh, you know, the Hamilton play, uh, you're in the room where it happens when you're a venture fund, right. Mm-hmm. Versus being outside the room where it happens. So I think that's very smart on your part. Do you think you're going to see more of that? I mean, are, are smaller MLSs going to join your fund? I mean, what is the long-term strategy of that? You're, you know, you're, you are a venture fund. You're going to head with other venture, venture, <laughs> venture firms for the prop tech space. Um, seems to me that, you know, out of the 400 plus MLSs, you know, five of them could set that up on their own. The rest don't have the kind of money, but if they join together, there could be some interesting things that come out of that yeah yeah i mean we're we're trying to get we're trying to get other institutional investors uh interested in it uh problem that we we face with it is you know the the legs were taken out under from underneath venture funds um you know about six months after we started so we had <laughs> great success in raising money up until then and then you know it's been a slog uh past that i mean we've been successful um because i think we have a very you know we have a great story to uh, sell. And the thing about venture funds that is absolutely surprised me of how collaborative um, all of the funds that we work with um, have been, you know, you know, to know that I have, you know, people like Keith Raboy and, you know, modern ventures that we meet with on a regular basis to discuss all of our different investments together and potentially working together. It, it's not as competitive as an environment as I thought it would be. Interesting. And what is you do you are you have a number you're trying to raise currently for your next your next fund that you're deploying? I've a lot of venture funds like, oh, we've raised, you know, two hundred fifty million that's gonna be this fund that we're gonna deploy out. Is there a number you're trying to get to? We're, we're very focused, so we're looking at ten million dollars. Um, we've raised about seventy percent of that and Got it. We need, to, need to kind of fill in the gaps at this point. That's our first fund and we'll set some targets probably in the next year for uh, rolling out venture uh, MLS fund two. Well, nice. I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I first of all just thank you for being here. Um, it's it's really refreshing to have somebody with such a forward-looking view of the industry and how to move. What unfortunately a lot of people look at the MLS as a, you know, as something that's holding the industry back. Not in your particular case, certainly not small ones. <laughs> um, but you know, to have somebody who's thinking about how to how to keep it moving towards the future, and then what I love that you've said multiple times is how it's it's focused on the realtor. Yep. You know, it's it's continuing to keep them at the center of the transaction. So it's building things that help them be better at their job. I think that's uh, I think it's a yeah, very other, winning strategy. The other so. piece I'd add is you 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 have one eye firmly focused on the industry, and the other eye is firmly focused on the human beings who buy and sell houses. Mm-hmm. And if we take care of those two things, the rest of it will work itself out. It will win always. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. It was so great to have you here. Thanks so much for being on the show. We look forward to having you back. Uh, we definitely will be inviting you back to have more discussions as I'm sure more drama pops up through the rest yeah. of 2023. Art and I are going to nerd out on AI on the next one. I, I'm, yeah, I can yeah. feel it. Yeah, we'll I, go deep. It's so much of a focus of what I do on a day-to-day basis right now. 
That's awesome. All Thanks right, my friend. Coming. Thanks so much for being here. Okay, thank you. It's our job to say out loud what everybody's only thinking to themselves. It's your job to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode.